the Lord has given me something that I think is Christmas-ish, if I can put it like that. Um, So this will be part of the Christmas story here, but we'll focus in on one particular thought. Luke chapter 2, let's read together verses 1 down to 7, and then we'll pray. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And it's that last phrase in verse number 7 that I'd like to focus your attention uh, to this morning because there was no room for them in the inn. So today we're going to talk about making room for Jesus, making room for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would bow your heads, let's pray together and ask God to help us with this. Father, once again, we just want to ask that your hand would be on this uh, service, this sermon I pray that you might fill me with your spirit, Lord. I don't want to preach without you doing the work. Lord, please just use me as a vessel, and I pray that you might bless that hungry and humble heart that's in the crowd today that wants to hear from you. Might you speak to them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We read at the end of verse number 7 that there was no room for them in the inn. That is the reason that what history has now called the Holy Family Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, why the Holy Family was not received into the inn. There just wasn't enough room. And I think that uh, illustrates well what goes on in the world every day, why a lot of people do not receive the Lord Jesus Christ is because they don't have room in their heart, in their life for the Lord. We read in John chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 10, He was in the world. And the world was made by him, and the world received him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It is possible to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's one of those heartbreaking statements, facts of history, that he made the world, he came to the world, and the people that should have been first in line to receive him rejected him. They get to the end of his life, and what do they say? Away with him. Crucify him. They didn't have room for Jesus. They had no idea this innkeeper in verse 7, he's not even mentioned, is he? The keeper of the inn, he's not directly mentioned, but there has to be an innkeeper. He had no way of knowing who he was turning away that night. Isn't that a sad thing, that people can come this close to having the Lord right there in their midst, and yet they don't have room? Our lives get cluttered. We don't even realize sometimes because we have so many other things going on, we don't realize our need for salvation. Perhaps that's the room you need to make for Jesus this morning is is room for a Savior. 
And in order to make room for that, you have to eliminate a lot of pride. You have to take out a lot of self and say, I am not enough. My good works are not enough. My little bit of religion here and there is not enough. Perhaps you need to clear some of that out in order to make room for salvation that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Or perhaps today you're already saved, and I know many of you today, you are. You've been saved for some time. And and perhaps what needs to happen is you need to make some room so that there can be more fellowship. So whatever capacity you need the Lord uh, Jesus Christ today for, whatever room you need to make in your life, I'm I'm encouraging you, I'm begging you, make room room you don't want to miss out on this wonderful opportunity when the Lord passes by your way. Some years ago, my first trip ever that I took to Africa, I got on a plane from Florida. I had never been in a plane before, and I flew. I was in the air for over 30 hours getting to Malawi. Had different stops along the way, and not a good flight to be honest with you. I blew out half of my eardrum and And uh, uh, once I got to Malawi, I was tired. I was having a reaction to some medicine that I was taking to prevent malaria. I kind of wish I would have just had malaria, to be honest. After that medicine, it did me wrong. I spent three weeks in Malawi, and it was a difficult time. Now, rather than tell you the whole story, let me just share one part of it. I, I Obviously, things were very different from what I was used to in America. In America, I had been in buses before. I'd written in, ridden in school buses and city buses, but I had never had the distinct privilege of being in a minibus taxi. That was a brand new experience for me. So it was every day for three weeks, we were climbing into various minibus taxis. So let me just come down here a little bit to illustrate The taxis, as you know, they get very full. I think you're supposed to have, what, 16? I think is the maximum capacity. (laughs) So that that never got observed. Every minibus taxi was crammed full, maybe 20, 24 people at least, at a minimum. And sometimes when they see the big mzungu coming, mzungu is a white guy, when they see the mzungu coming, this mzungu is a little bigger than the average Malawian. So if I take up, if I sit on the the bench with them, I'm going to take up, a couple of spots that they could usually have. So what they would do is fill the bench full, and I'm so sorry to make this uncomfortable here, if you can just hold that book for a moment. They, they would tell me, everybody else is facing this, uh, this direction. We're moving this way. But I had to, somebody was sitting right here. And, and that person would just spread their legs a little bit. I would sit with one knee and look over his shoulder the whole ride. Oh my goodness. I cannot tell you how uncomfortable that was. (laughs) I mean, it's uncomfortable to do it just here. (laughs) And I have the the seat open. Well, I had a chance to pass out some extra gospel tracts, I'll tell you that. (laughs) You know what, what, the least I can say about that, I don't think they should have done it, right? That was extremely dangerous and a horrible idea, but can you at least agree with me on this? They made room for me. (laughs) They made room for me. They found a way to make me fit. The person who doesn't fit in the minibus, they found a way to make me fit. And perhaps today you're wondering, how could I shift my life around? In what possible way could I change or adjust? What would I need to do? Don't wait for life to make the adjustments for you. You make room for Jesus. So I want to give you a few thoughts that come to mind as we read and think and meditate on this passage Just a few things perhaps you can also think about as the day goes on. And I'm going to be addressing the innkeeper, 
who's not even mentioned in the story. And I think there's a reason that he's not, but we'll come to that in a moment. The first thing I'd like to say is this. The innkeeper didn't know what he was missing. Right? He, and, and I don't blame him for that, but he had no way of knowing just how awesome this privilege was that Mary, Joseph, and soon-to-be-born Jesus had passed by his inn looking for room. He did not know what he was missing out on. This is the Lord of glory, the Savior of mankind, the Creator of everything. I like what one American black preacher, the way he said it I think is best, the one who was in the bosom of the Father without a mother, but now was in the bosom of his mother without a father. (laughs) There's no way this innkeeper could have known what he was missing out on. It reminds me of what happened to Jacob. If you remember the book of Genesis, chapter 28, he's running from Esau. And after he's been going, traveling the whole day, he rests in the field with pillows for, uh, his pillows are are, are the stones of the ground. And he he has a dream. The Lord comes to him. And you see the ladder up to heaven and the Lord gives him an amazing promise to, to get him through this very difficult part of his life. When Jacob wakes up, he says this, Surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. I wonder, and, and this is something we will only figure out when we get to the other side. After we've crossed the chilly waters of Jordan and we've reached heaven's shores, will we be able to look back and see how many times the Lord came very close to us and we weren't paying attention. We just didn't know what we were missing. The Lord is often a lot closer than we think. The Bible actually tells us this in Acts chapter 17. That one of the reasons God created mankind, gave us boundaries, gave us culture, gave us what we have, is so that we could seek after the Lord, feel after Him, find Him. And it says at the end of that passage in Acts 17, though he be not far from any of us. Because if you look around, you can see the fingerprint of God on pretty much anything everywhere. Isn't that right? Here we are, a group of people made in the image of God. Grant you were broken by sin, but made in the image of God. You can look out at nature and see the handiwork of God on a continual basis. He's not that far if we just take time to look for Him. I do read, though, in Isaiah, and perhaps you've seen this verse as well, the Lord is far from the wicked. How many of you remember that verse? The Lord is far from the wicked. You say, well, Brother Mike, how is it that the Lord can be close to a person who's purposely wicked like that? In just one instant, in one moment of time, if that wicked person were to genuinely repent and say, God, I'm sorry that I have offended you. I'm sorry for my wickedness, and I no longer want to be like that. I want to cleanse my hands and purify my heart. I want to follow the Lord. I repent of what I've done, and I want to follow you. In a moment, the Lord would enter that man's heart, save that man's soul, wash away his sins. Do you see how close, how imminent the Lord is? It just requires somebody making room for him making room James chapter 4 tells us this if we draw nigh unto God he will draw nigh unto us you say how far is he well for some folks let's see if I can count it here one two meters (laughs) 
You say, well, now the reason I illustrate it like that, you understand, it, it's not literally two meters. But, but perhaps what the Lord's waiting for is for you to draw nigh, for you to take that step to say, Lord, I'm interested in what you're offering and I don't want to miss out. Like that innkeeper, I don't want to be ignorant of what I could potentially have. So I, if I have that invitation and if I need to go looking for it, I'll, I'll go looking for it. I'll make the room. I won't wait for you to come to me because, Lord, you've already done your part. You came to this world. You went to the cross. You've done your part. Now, for me to go two, three, four, whatever meters, you're not asking that much. I don't want to miss out on what you are offering. Look at Luke chapter 2 with me. Let's read a few more verses. Verse 8, the Bible says, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The Bible says in verse number 15, watch it, It came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds sent one to another, Let us, please help me folks, help me here, Let us what? Now. Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. We're not going to fault the innkeeper too much because it had not been made known to him. But it was made known to the shepherds. God had revealed to them that the one line in that manger is Christ the Lord. He didn't become the Lord when He got to the cross. He didn't become the Lord when He got baptized. He was the Lord when He was born. And the shepherds say, we don't want to miss out on this opportunity. God has made it clear who that is lying in the manger. Let's go see that. Let's go get in on that. You know what they did? They made room. They made room for Jesus in their schedule. Even if it meant leaving the flock behind for a little while, they wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus. So I'm not going to fault the innkeeper. Just like today, if there are people in this town or in this world that have not heard the gospel properly, I won't fault them that much for not coming to the Lord. No one has invited them. But for those of us that have been around the things of God for many years, and perhaps you've been coming to church year after year, and perhaps there's a distance still. You know the Lord Jesus Christ, but only as a name in a book, not as a person who lives in your heart. And I'm asking you to do, not like the innkeeper, but rather like the shepherds. You know what's being offered. Take advantage of it today. Make room for Him. Don't miss out on this awesome opportunity. The second thing I'd like you to think about, the innkeeper... And again, I'm not faulting him too much because it hadn't been revealed to him. But, no doubt, he was really busy on this glorious night. 
Well, would that make sense? Because in this time, in this season, so many Jews were flooding into their hometowns, in this case, Bethlehem, and there were visitors, right? There were visitors, just like in South Africa during this time of the year. People are going out of town, and they're somewhere else, and they're, uh, this is not like an Airbnb, but the closest thing you can get to it. This is a hostage, an inn. People are traveling. This innkeeper, he is a businessman. And when the Holy Family shows up, there's Mary presumably riding on a donkey. Joseph leading the donkey comes to the inn. Sir, we need a room. My wife is close to being delivered of this child. The innkeeper, not taking time to get to know the situation well, says, I'm sorry, fully booked. He was too busy to notice the need of this family. And, and I think that also speaks to something that happens often with, with us. We just get too busy. It's not that we don't know what we're missing out on. We do. We're not the innkeeper. It's been revealed to us. We are just too busy to make room for Jesus. Let me give you a few ideas here because we're not told in verse 7 why the innkeeper said what he said or did what he did. We, we don't have any quotes from him. Like I said, he's not even mentioned. He was too busy to get mentioned. You know, one day, you're, if you're saved, you're going to end up in heaven, and Jesus will tell us the story of how his kingdom was built. I wonder if your name is in that story anywhere, or if you were too busy to have a part of that story, to do something for his kingdom. But let's talk about the innkeeper and some possibilities just for a moment. Maybe this family arrived at the inn and they were already fully booked. Hence, he says, there's no room. Sorry. And it's truly not his fault. They were, they were fully booked. As I've said, a lot of visitors coming into town because of the taxing and the census and all of that. So it could be that. But, but notice in verse 7, look at the end of it. It says, because there was no room for them in the inn. Do you see that phrase, for them? It kind of makes me think that there was room at the inn, but not for them. Now I'll tell you why I think that, and it's worth investigating perhaps, or at least considering, I can't prove this. I, I just think it's a possibility. Because Mary and Joseph were not rich, they were poor people. We know this from, from the rest of the chapter, when they offered the sacrifice at Jesus' circumcision, they gave a sacrifice that only the poor people were supposed to give. They were very poor. And this innkeeper, if he, if he has rooms available, they are rooms for paying customers. And he knows, just like a lot of Airbnbs and Hastahesa on Optistrant, this is the time of the year to get some income. And I need to have paying customers. So not being rude to that family, but saying, listen, I, you don't have any money. I'm sorry, there's no room for you in my inn. It could have been that. Either way, there was not enough room. <laughs> Sorry, this, I'm not trying to wave magic wands or anything. There's a fly going around. Whatever the case was, whether they couldn't pay or there just wasn't room, this innkeeper was a busy man. You know, history, or let me not say history, perhaps legend is a better word for it. Legend tells us that Jesus was born in a cave. Now, that might sound strange, but understand in, in ancient times, a cave was a very good place to put a manger. A manger is, is a trough where you put the food for animals. 
So, rather than think of this as a barn, which it might have been, some people do think it was a stable, but a lot of shepherds in these days would use a cave as a stable. They would put a manger and put some hay and straw in the cave, and that was a place where their flocks could sleep at night in relative safety. So many people say that this innkeeper suggested to Joseph, I don't have room, maybe try that cave or stable, however you'd like to think about it. Did the innkeeper suggest it? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Perhaps after being turned away, Joseph simply walked around looking for some stable to crash, looking for a cave to crash in and say, I need something for my wife. She's about to give birth. We're not told exactly how busy the innkeeper was. We just know he was busy. How about you? How busy are you? How busy are you? Do you get so busy that you don't even know how much you have to do? Do you ever find yourself there where you wake up and you go, what do I have to do today? I don't know. Just, I just know I'm busy the whole day. And life gets us going in circles to where maybe it's this, maybe it's that. I don't even know what I have to do. Just like we don't even know what the true story is behind the innkeeper. We don't even know what's going on in our life. It just spins us in circles. Perhaps it's a good idea this time of the year to slow down a little bit and make some room for Jesus in your busy schedule. I'm not going to fault this innkeeper too much because he was a busy man. And there's nothing wrong with being busy. But I do think it's a fault I think this is worth faulting him for. This is a lady who's about to give birth. How can you not make some room for that? Right? At least, I mean, just human sensitivity would say, let's make room for a woman who's about to give birth. What's your excuse? Why is it that you haven't made room? What is it that is so pressing in your life that you won't take a look at what Jesus is trying to do and what's going on with His family that you won't make room in your inn? During our vacation just a couple of days ago, we drove through Clarence to get to the coast. I have been to Clarence once to do a wedding, so I knew how beautiful that place was. And on the way back, we stopped there again just overnight. And there's a restaurant there called Treat. And wow, it is a treat. I mean, they live up to the name. We walked in, and that place was packed. We got to the door. We had just driven six hours. And the whole time, all I was thinking of is, I want to eat at that restaurant. <laughs> I was so excited for that restaurant. I got there, and they are packed. And the man comes to greet us. Hello, sir. Uh, can we help you? I said, well, do you have a table for three? He said, we're fully booked. Do you have a reservation? I said, no, I, I didn't know I needed to call. He said, yeah, Sorry. So, me being the <laughs> mature person I was, I, went, <laughs> I, got, I started to sulk a little bit. I thought, oh, shame, man, I really wanted this meal, but oh well, you make the best of it. And as my shoulders kind of slouched and I started to walk away, he said, wait, 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 we'll make a plan. I said, that's what I like to hear, I like to hear that. And there was a small table in one dark corner of the restaurant, it had two chairs, we are three people. But he said, you know what, we, we can make that work. And he put, brought an extra chair, and we, it was cluttered. We were tight, but hey, we had a seat at the table. And we got to eat at the restaurant. You know why? They made room for us, even though they were busy. And it became a very special evening for me and my family because somebody went out of their way to make room, even though they were busy. 
You can't continue to blame how busy you are for not making room for the Lord. The innkeeper, whatever his story was, he could have made room, but he didn't. At the end of the day, you take whatever probabilities or maybes, maybe it was this, maybe that, who knows, doesn't matter. One thing we know, he didn't make room. He was just too busy. You know, the Bible tells us in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. This is a biblical command. Be still. Do you understand? That's something you have to actively try to do because the way this world goes, as soon as you enter in as as an adult into the workforce, the world's not going to let you be still. You have to make yourself be still. And then it says, be still and know that I am God. That's how you get to know the Lord is when you make that room in your schedule for Him. While on vacation, I had the privilege of reading a couple of books, which, man, I forgot just how how much I enjoyed sitting down in a quiet spot to read a book. But one author put it like this, in a world of distractions, focusing is a superpower. I like that line. What a good line. In a world of distractions, focusing is a superpower. Now, he was talking about things relating to this life, and I think he's right. We live in a world of distractions all around us, all the time. Focusing is a superpower. But when you add in the spiritual element that we are to focus our attention and keep our eyes on the Lord. Do you realize the flesh, the world, the devil are not going to let that happen easily? You have to make room for that to happen. The shepherds, we saw it in verse number 8. It says they were keeping watch over their flock by night. They were also busy. They also had something to do, but you know what they did? They made time. They made time. Don't let your busy schedule be an excuse to not take advantage of drawing closer to the Lord. And then one other thing I'd like to challenge you with from this passage. And I I, actually, this is a slightly abstract thought, but go with me here. I think you'll see where I'm going with this momentarily. To whatever extent this innkeeper was involved, I think there's a lesson to be learned from this story. Entertain strangers. Entertain strangers. Be a blessing to people you don't know. Entertain strangers. When you have an opportunity to help someone, help them. Now, as I say, I don't know if that was within the innkeeper's control or not. Maybe he genuinely didn't have the opportunity. Maybe he did and he passed it by. Who knows? But there are strangers all around us in Pachastruam. We have opportunities every day to just be a blessing to somebody. I think it's a lesson we can learn from this. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 2, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Do you understand the depth of that verse? In the Old Testament, you can read in many occasions where somebody had a visitor show up and they showed hospitality. They didn't know that angel looked like a man because angels appear as a man. They they have that form. They didn't even know they were cooking a meal or offering a room to an angel. So that's where this writer says, thereby some have entertained angels unawares. You, You don't even know who you're helping, how important that visitor is. But listen, lying in that crib was no 
ordinary stranger. Lying in that manger was not even an angel. This was the Lord of glory in humbled and human form. This babe wrapped in swaddling clothes is actually God wrapped in human flesh. Imagine the opportunity that this innkeeper has if he would just be hospitable and make room to entertain this family he doesn't know. He could be helping the most important visitor to ever pass by anybody's house anywhere. Make room. Not everybody that you'll help will be as significant as this Christ child lying in the manger. But we don't help people because they're significant. We are not respecters of persons. It doesn't matter what your name tag says, how big of a position you have, or how much money you have, or what your skin color is, or what language you speak. That's not the reason we help people. We help people because if Jesus were here, He'd help them. It's an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody just like one day when you didn't know the Lord and you were a stranger to Him. He took you in. This is our chance to, in a small way, repay that debt. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this passage. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, Come, ye blessed of my Father, enter into the kingdom prepared for the foundation of the world. Remember that to the people on the right? Not the goats on the left, but the sheep on the right. He says, come, ye blessed of my Father, enter into the kingdom. And then he tells them what they did. And one of the things that they did, he says, I was a stranger and you took me in. I was a stranger and you took me in. And then those people that are hearing this, they say, but when were you... When did we ever see you as a stranger? When did we ever, ever see you as, as hungry or thirsty? And when did we ever do this for you? We don't remember doing this for you. I'm sure you remember the reply of Jesus. His answer was, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. You know, that's why I'm bringing this point of the story out, to entertain strangers, to take advantage of that opportunity to be a blessing to some random person that doesn't see it coming. You just never know how much that's going to mean in a person's life. I heard a story about a man just recently here in town. He would go into ShopRite and into Boxers. I think that's the name of the there's a grocery store down in the, near, near the taxi rank. He would go into these various grocery stores and he would look. He would stand there by the manager's office looking at the tills. And then when somebody would come to the till, he, he had set it up with the manager so that he didn't surprise you know, the, the checkout lady. He, he didn't want to cause trouble. He would go to the till and tell the person, I just want to be a blessing to you. And then pay for all their groceries. Hand him a gospel track and walk out. And then he would go from grocery store to grocery store just being a blessing. And this person told me it is amazing to see these people. At first, it's just ultimate shock. And, and, and some of them think it's a scam. They think, well, now, what am I getting hooked into here? If you're going to do this, do, do I owe you something? Are you going to come ask for a favor down the road? No, no, no. Listen, this is being done because Jesus gave me a gift that I could never have gotten for myself. He did something for me. He paid for my sins. All I want to do is pay for your groceries. 
And to see those people go from shock and amazement to brokenhearted, tears of thanksgiving running down their cheeks, realizing somebody out of nowhere has helped me in a way that I needed so much right now. So I am challenging you, church. I'm challenging us in this season especially. What a perfect time to do this. We have, and I say we in the general sense, we have so much stuff. Net hooters daar by die huis. And die hooters, they just sit there. Taking up space in your closet, in your garage. Time to make a little room. Clean some of that stuff out. Take it out of your closet. Take it out of your drawers. Take it out of the garage. Take it out of whatever it needs. Take it out of your bank account. You should see their faces now, boys. They loved that point. They loved it. Make room. You say, what do I do with it? Walk out and just say, God, I don't know where to go or who to go to or just show me. I just want to be a blessing. Just one person. I'm not asking you to fix every problem in Potter's room. Just one person. You don't need to know them. You don't need their backstory. Just make sure that they know you're doing it for Jesus' sake. You're not doing it for you. You're being kind because Jesus was kind to you. The Bible says, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. If you have the opportunity this season, this holiday season, just do something good for someone. Entertain a stranger. Be hospitable. Be a blessing. Make room. Jesus said, if you've done it unto one of the least of these... You've done it to me. So I want to make room for Jesus in my life. You can do that by helping the stranger. Because Jesus says if you're doing it for them, on my behalf, it's just as if you've done it to me. So you can correct whatever mistake might have happened with the innkeeper. You, instead of letting the opportunity go by, can say, Lord, I'll make room. I want to be a blessing and help in any way I can. I want to make room for Jesus. Let's all stand, please. Let's stand, have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And I'd like to give you just a moment to think on what you've heard. will not take long. I'm not going to give a long invitation this morning. But perhaps the Lord has stirred in your heart. Perhaps something today has touched your heart and you realize... My life is a bit cluttered. And I'm not even condemning you. You understand? That's just how life is. We get cluttered. Our our schedules get full. We get busy. We don't even know what we're missing out on. You understand? I, I hope you enjoy your Christmas to the fullest. I hope you enjoy friends and family. That's what, one of my favorite parts of this holiday. Getting to be around loved ones. But there might be some people you've never met that are in great need and you could change the direction of their life, of their eternity, if you would just make room. Just make room.
Maybe you have to take something out of the closet, out of the drawer, out of the cupboard. Wrap it up and go give it to somebody. Merry Christmas. The Lord loves you. Hand them a gospel track. Smile. Get in your car and drive away. And then get home and pray and say, God, please help them to see the love of Jesus. You can make time for that. In a moment, I'll, I'll pray and we'll close the service, but I do want to invite you today, if, if you're here and you've never been saved, the Lord is incredibly close. All He's waiting on is for you to open the door of your heart and He will come in. He's right outside the door knocking. You understand? He's close. Please don't let that opportunity pass you by. But as many of you are, I know that you have this testimony of being saved. And, and I believe that. I believe many of you here this morning are born again. Perhaps this is an opportunity to just look around in your life, in your heart. Say, where can I make more room for fellowship with my Savior? Just like the shepherds, set aside the busyness. And say, let us now go see. Let us now. Not in the new year, now. Draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. Father, Thank you so much for sending the unspeakable gift of your Son, the King of glory, who humbled himself and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of sending your Son to the cross to pay for our sins. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to know you better. Show us, God. Show us what we can do to make space, to make room for You in our hearts, minds, homes. God, use us in this holiday time to be a help and a blessing to somebody else. Father, dismiss us now with Your hand upon us. Help us, Lord, to keep what we've heard. Let it sink deep into our hearts and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.